0: Like in New York, there are lots of people globally, like from all around the world, but still, people living in New York have the same breathing habit. It's what New York brings or why people choose to live in New York. So there is a mindset, there is a thinking habit, there's a behavioral habit, there's a breathing habit of people who like New York.
1: Hello and welcome to the Alien Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Sadia Khan. Have you ever thought how your breathing can affect your health and your well-being? Well, I didn't until I read about today's guest. Nevsha Fidan is a spiritual leader. Her focus, here comes the interesting part, is optimal breathing for improving your health and performance. She's an internationally renowned breath expert, a meditation teacher, a well-known author of nine best best-seller books, and a mother and a wife. She was born in Izmir, Turkey, and she did architecture, but then decided to create her own organization focused on breathing and thinking habits in 2004. We'll ask Nefsha about her transition from architecture to spiritual healing. She has led more than 10,000 people in her trainings, she has influenced more than 100,000 people with her lectures and systems that she created, and she also trained more than 1,000 breath coaches around the world. She truly is a global citizen who travels between London, Istanbul, and New York. Nefsha also grew up with a Sufi master, her grandmother, in Sufi tradition. Now, for those of you who don't know what Sufism is, it's a mystical Islamic belief and practice in which Muslims seek to find the truth of divine love and knowledge through their direct personal experience with God. This is the foundation of Nefshad's work with breath. Welcome, Nefshad. I am so excited to have you on my show. We have a lot of questions for you.
0: (laughs) Hello, me too. I'm very
1: excited. So, Nefshah, I'm curious, uh, what do you mean by optimal breathing and what are we as individuals, as, as you point out, majority of people doing wrong in terms of how we breathe? Yes.
0: So when we look at breathing, first of all, I have to state that breathing and respiration are different because normally when I say breathing, And people think I'm talking about respiration. They may be a little mistaken because respiration automatically happens by itself. It's a brainstem reflex. But breathing can be behavioral. So when we look at human behavior, we might also have dysfunctional breathing behaviors. We might learn a breathing behavior totally unnatural. And we do that when we are children When we don't want to feel some feelings, when we want to suppress some feelings, if we want to disconnect from the world, disconnect from the environment, we start changing our breathing because our breathing affects our psychology. That's why many people are using breathing techniques right now all around the world. And even psychotherapists use breathing techniques because how we breathe can literally affect how we feel.
1: Can you give us an example of how our breathing is connected to our psychological and physical well-being?
0: Yeah, our breathing is uh, for for sure connected to our psychological well-being, first of all, because it's not even well-being. It just controls our whole emotions. You might breathe shallow and you might disconnect from yourself. You might breathe a little deeper. You might connect deeper with yourself. You might stop before the inhale, before the exhale to suppress some feelings. So how we connect with ourselves, how we connect with the world depends on our breathing. But the reason breathing habits can be dysfunctional is that while manipulating the psychology to feel good or to suppress some feelings, and even some people use breathing techniques, and I just don't suggest any of them, because when you change your natural breathing habit, every time you change it, it affects your respiratory chemistry. So our approach is much more scientific than breathing techniques, breath work in any approach because we have been using uh, CAPNO trainers and we have been doing lots of research on how breathing, our breathing behavior on the mechanical level, what you do uh, at your breathing affects your respiratory chemistry. And we have found out that if a person is not naturally breathing If a person is using a technique or if a person person has a breathing habit, that's not natural. They go into respiratory alkalosis or respiratory acidosis, which triggers, causes, perpetuates more than 200 symptoms. ADD, ADHD, asthma, panic attack, anxiety, uh, attention deficit disorders, all kinds of upside-down emotions, mood shifts, fainting, headaches, migraine, there are more than 200 symptoms in the medical term that doctors call unexplained symptoms. Like when you go to a doctor and they can't find why that symptom is there, like you have headaches all throughout the day and they check everything. They check your brain, everything. They just can't find it why. The reason might be hypocapnia because headaches, migraine, more than 200 symptoms are also well-known symptoms of hypocapnia, which is respiratory alkalosis. So when you breathe uh, wrong, not wrong, but dysfunctional, when you have breathing habits, because you are not breathing natural, uh, your respiratory chemical access doesn't stay stable and you have all kinds of psychological, physiological problems.
1: Yeah, so Nefsha, the way you're describing it, it's, it's so fascinating, first of all. But now, as you were describing it, I, I'm thinking about my breathing habits, right? And I, never, I have never paid attention to how I breathe. I, I, I always thought it comes to me naturally. And what you're saying that we may not be breathing naturally. How do we make a conscious effort to know if, if we are or if we aren't?
0: Yes, that's a very good question. And there, uh, because our system is multidisciplinary system combining behavioral science with breath work and coaching and also respiratory science, there lies behavioral science. Because when we look at human behavior, humans learn dysfunctional behavioral habits unconditionally. So the answer to your question is, you don't and you cannot know about your dysfunctional breathing habit yourself until a breath coach or a breath expert analyzes, just checks it on the mechanic level and also checks it with a capno trainer. So what we do is we do some analysis like all dysfunctional behavioral analysis systems. We do an analysis. We ask a few questions. We do tests on you. And then on the mechanic level, we analyze your breathing. We check what kind of breathing habits you have. Like some people are breathing too deep. Some people are using the diaphragm too much. Some people are not using the diaphragm at all. Some people breathe too fast. Some too slow. So there are all kinds of learned breathing habits. And if you have a learned breathing habit when uh, you work with a breath coach and when the breath coach asks you to breathe deep, we can see what you're dysfunctional, what you're doing dysfunctionally. And then we also Work with capno trainers, which is a capnography device, but it's educational capnography, only designed to work on your dysfunctional breathing habits. There, with a capno trainer, with we also analyze how that dysfunctional breathing habit affects your respiratory chemistry, and we can see it on the screen scientifically by biofeedback, and then. After the analysis, after we analyze your breathing habits detailed in detail, we talk about it and we talk about the effects of it in your life. For example, if you're breathing too much in the diaphragm, if you're over-breathing during the day, you might go into respiratory alkalosis and have some symptoms, or you might have sleeping apnea and uh, sleeping problems because of that too much breathing. And we discuss that and we go over that and we go over the symptoms that might be caused or perpetuated because of that breathing habit, because many symptoms have many other reasons. But if, for example, you have a migraine and you also have a dysfunctional breathing habit, we uh, check because there is a tendency that that migraine might be getting triggered or might be getting perpetuated or might be just caused by your dysfunctional breathing habit. So when we work on the dysfunctional breathing habit, these symptoms have a chance to uh, go away. If the reason was the dysfunctional breathing habit, if there was no organic reason you were having a headache, if there was no problem in the brain or anywhere. So usually we invite people to look at their breathing habits if they have symptoms that are unexplained, because most of the unexplained symptoms, 99%, uh, are because of dysfunctional breathing habits, because of respiratory alkalosis. And we just did a research in New York a few years ago in all the hospitals in New York with capno trainers, and we found out that seven percent of the people who were coming to the emergency room were coming because of because they were having dysfunctional breathing habits. They were going into respiratory alkalosis, yeah. Like imagine people were thinking they were having a heart attack, you know, anxiety panic. They lost their memory for a while. They felt like fainting. And these are just symptoms of hypocapnia as well. It's actually well known, the symptoms of hypocapnia, the symptoms of respiratory alkalosis. But uh, somehow, you know, in the medical world,
1: there is not enough attention paid on that. What I'm hearing is that all these like dysfunctional breathing habits can be reversed and we can we can optimize our breathing, right? Yes. How many sessions on average a person has to take? Does it like, I'm sure it varies from person to person, but like once you diagnose what the the problem is and then you work with an individual, how many sessions does it take? And after that, is the individual able to optimize their breathing without further care? Yeah, so we
0: need, I believe, we need at least 10 breathing sessions, and that's for adults usually. Because we start learning dysfunctional breathing habits when we were children and it goes worse and worse and worse. So if we start earlier, we might need, for example, a child 12 years old, 13 years old might need less sessions, whereas an adult might need at at least like 10 sessions uh, to go over their breathing habits. And we also have some courses and scheduled seminars and programs people can join and concentrate on their breathing habits. Because breathing habits are very much aligned with thinking habits, it's always good to work on your breathing habits while you're working on your thinking habits as well, because they are so aligned. Every uh, judgment we have in our mind, you know, if everything we you know, that meaning-making mechanism we have, uh, we just look at life and we make life mean something. When we do that, we have a dysfunctional breathing habit at that time. So it's like it's a very deep thing. Like when you look at breathing, it's a really deep, deep topic. And that's why we need to work on your mind and uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. uh, There has to be some uh, clearing and work done.
1: And do you have any uh, online courses or seminars or do people have to or do you recommend that people come in person to work on this?
0: Well, they can join some online courses. Yes, we have some online courses and they can also work with breath coaches. We have breath coaches uh, around United States and also UK and Europe and of course, Turkey, a lot of them because I started my business in Istanbul they can uh, i i believe the first time we work it's better one-on-one but if you want to have a Kapno trainer session you can always have it online if you want a detailed breath analysis uh, people can have it online
1: so let's take a step back i want to talk a little bit about your childhood especially because you so you grew up with a sufi master your grandmother And I want you to share your experiences. What was it like growing up in a household uh, with a Sufi master? What did you learn and how do you use it in your work?
0: Well, I was uh, 12 years old when my grandmother died. So I was really small in her presence. I was very lucky because I spent a lot of time with her when growing up. And at that age, you know, a child of six years old, nine years old until 12, there is no teaching. So she did not actually, by words, you know, by sentences, she did not actually teach anything, to me at least. But her presence, I believe, taught me a lot. Because I learned from her presence the power of silence, the, you know, amazing gift. What do you mean by that? So her presence... Because of her connection with the divine and with herself, with her being, brought a deep silence with her. So I just remember in her presence when I was playing or when I just I was just around her, there was this depth of silence. There was this depth of being, of this divine. And she told me that. And after she died... And in my life, she was the one who was bringing that silence and that gift, you know, that healing energy, uh, which I believe it's just silence. Like Rumi says, God is in silence and the rest are details. You know, the words and sentences, everything is details. If we want to connect with the divine, with God, with spirituality, whatever you're searching for, universe, we have to go into deep into silence and there is no other way. And the Sufi tradition is all about that. Actually, Sufi tradition is very much aligned with the meditation practice people practice nowadays. So I found that silence in my grandmother's being. And after she died, I somehow, because of my breathing habits probably or because I was too much, you know, working on, you know, my school grades or doing sports and I I just went into the human side a lot. And I lost, not lost, but my connection with my being and my connection with my spiritual self lessened. So it was a a bit shallow. And I remember wanting to get back to that silence and not being able to do that. So in my system, I had this connection with a deep, deep silence, a healing silence, which brought unconditional love and peace and bliss and everything. But I didn't know how to connect with that by myself because that was with my grandmother. And that was my process. So over the years, I had a shallow breathing habit. And that's why I couldn't connect deeply with that. And when I started doing meditation and when I started doing breathing and when I worked on my dysfunctional breathing habits and my breathing got deeper, now I'm at a state in my life. uh, I can experience the same silence, the same depth, the same divine, blissful state, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, day, you know, all the time, like I had with my grandmother. So I believe she didn't taught me anything, but she initiated, she definitely initiated to me to some, some energy, some form of energy.
1: And you studied architecture, and what was that moment when you decided that this is this is your calling, this is what you should do, and you just you know transitioned from architecture into this um, you know world of breathing and um, mysticism? Well,
0: uh, yeah, it's, it's I, I believe it's always people's own search. So I was searching for that. And now I'm aware of what I was searching. I was searching for that deep silence, my spiritual self, my divine gifts and, you know, being. And uh, how I see it is when we are, so we are all human beings, but when we are too much connected with our human self, what means is when we are doing Doing and doing and always in action, and we live in a. You know, I come from the west, very west side of Turkey, and I'm half Greek, and my uh, father's uh, mother and father are from Greece, so I'm half Greek and half, half Turkish and Sufi. So I'm from the very west, and I'm, I grew up in a very, very westernized community, family environment. So it was all about action and it was all about uh, succeeding and we somehow forgot the you know connection with our being even though i grew up with my grandmother somehow the next generation and everybody was so much into being western right. and, you know i i grew up uh, learning at school like learning i have to succeed i have to get good grades i have to work and then i i lost uh, my deep connection with my being and what happened was uh, with that because i was not fully connected with myself i i think got conditioned on a on a level and that's why i started architecture you know i liked it i liked the creation part of it and i liked it but i can now look back and say that was not what uh, that's not what i'm here to do so I, I needed that depth first with myself and the moment i started meditating and working on my breathing habits. It was so obvious for me that I just can't do that. And I have another mission. I have another goal. I have another gift to share with people. I I just stopped.
1: (laughs) And as I mentioned in the beginning, you are a global citizen. You travel between different countries, especially like different cities like London, New York, Istanbul. How do you navigate different cultures across these three countries? And do you see any differences in breathing habits of people across different countries? Because I'm a Assuming that countries like Turkey, um, where you have people have more sense of community and people uh, come from more close knit community, breathing habits would probably be different than say New York and London. And correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Definitely, you're very right. (laughs) In all, also uh, all societies everywhere around the world, globally, you can see different breathing habits where you go to different places, and it's not even about the people it's about the place like in New York there are lots of people globally like from all around the world but still people living in New York have the same breathing habit it's what New York brings or why people choose to live in New York so there is a mindset there is a thinking habit there's a behavioral habit there's a breathing habit of people who like New York and also like London who live in London Somehow they get got initiated to another consciousness or to another level of living. So like in London, what we see is people are very much grounded. They are not fully in the heart. So in, I uh, half live in London, Istanbul right now and go back and forth to New York. We have a house in London and a house in Istanbul. And uh, I spent a lot of my time in London During the year, and in London, uh, spirituality and everything about the heart is much more needed. uh, I see that in Turkey. So, in London, people need that connection with themselves, with their spirituality, and because they are grounded and because they are living. In the world, in a very grounded way, they're very much interested in the scientific part of it, scientific side of breathing and the physiology and the physical part. But when it comes to spirituality, they have to find it themselves. Like I don't talk about spirituality the way I talk about it here in New York and also in Istanbul. So like in New York, I'm just so free talking about who we are and our spiritual selves and the higher will and the higher self and the miracle consciousness. And when you look at New York, New Yorkers don't have belly breathing much. They more are breathing in the chest. So I might, I don't want to call it like people are flying too much, but it's like there's a high level of high frequency, which is not fully grounded like London or Istanbul. So there is a, the level of frequency,
1: the level of energy, and also the breathing is just high. So is that good or bad, Nefshah? Because I'm just trying to understand when you use the term grounded, what does that imply? Yeah, so uh, there is no
0: good or bad in breathing. And there is a, there is a situation every breathing habit creates. So I'm going to start with Lon- London. Uh, like in London, the how I see it is that the reason uh, people are breathing in their bellies very comfortably and the reason people are very much grounded is because England and UK, it's just a very old and very grounded city. London is a very grounded city or UK is a very grounded country. It's hundreds of years old. And that's the same thing happening in Turkey as well. So when you look at America, when you look at New York, it's a it's rather a new place and new york is you know rather compared to you know all the ottoman ottoman empire and turkey or europe you know it's a new it's a new organization for me so it is not yet as grounded as london or, or europe and uh, that's why there is a high level of energy and i believe that's why new york is just with this whole you know, action and action and action and there is this high frequency and people are having a hard time grounding, which means people are having a hard time connecting with their feelings. People are having a hard time connecting with who they really are, like in their being. People are having a hard time in connecting with their silence and that's why there are lots of people meditating and trying to stop because all that high frequency is very nice, but when it's not grounded, so how I see it is like when I compare New York to London, uh, London is much more systemized than New York. Like there is a not in a good bad way, but there is a lack of system in New York compared to more grounded cities. So that's what I mean by not being grounded because the when the energy grounds, when people ground, there is a, there is more balance, there is more system. Like you don't find this much homeless people on the street in London or Europe or Turkey. like in Turkey, especially we're a very grounded and old you know country, and you know, with all the with all the tradition, it's very much grounded. everybody's supporting each other. like you said, community, there are no people living in the streets. So that's what that's what happens when it doesn't ground. like human uh, people a little bit. Disconnect from their human selves, disconnect from their humanity So, uh, or community. So what I see in New York happening, because I have lots of friends who are doing big meditation events and big meditation organizations. And now what's happening is there is a call for community. There is a need for community and everybody is there just, you know, let's be a community. Let's bond. Let's be together. Whereas when I look at Istanbul, Turkey, we already have a community, you know, like you don't, you can't invite people to a meditation just saying, let's, you know, let's invest in our community because people will be like, I already have my community. (laughs) It's very deep there. Here, people need community, more bonding because they need more bonding with themselves, with their human
1: selves. That will need time. If I want to start on this journey, because I'm, I'm sure my breathing sucks. Um, so how do I do that? Like, what is the first step that I take in order to start my journey? Like, where do I go?
0: Yeah, first we have uh, our website is uh, breathcoachingfederation.com here. And my website is on my name, nevshah.com. And people can just go online and learn, learn more about the courses and what's happening And if they want a breath analysis, they can send us emails. So breathcoachingfederation.org would be a good place because all the breath coaches around the world are now working with the federation and we have a whole big crew of scientists working on dysfunctional breathing habits and breath coaches and everybody. So it would be nice to send Breath Coaching Federation an email, maybe have an appointment, And meet with our breath coaches here in New York and get an analysis. And after the analysis, you would know what you need to do with your breathing.
1: Uh, And I will post all this information on on our website as well for those listeners who are interested and they can approach you and they can go to your website and also email um, Nefshah, you've been to America so many times. I ask all my guests this question, but this is like specifically how people connect and how people have um these relationships. How would you define America?
0: Uh, like I said, <laughs> it needs a little time to ground and it it's very natural. And uh, of course, I mean, when you come, like I said, compare it with older c- cities, older countries, you know. And um, and how I see it is there is a high level of understanding and that's brilliant. Like every time I come to New York, especially in New York, every time I come to New York, I often come to New York or Miami. Sometimes I go to, go to California, L.A. and San Francisco area. So, every time I come to New York, I have all kinds of ideas about how I can support people in my work and what projects I can do. There is this high level of understanding and creation on the mind level. And when you, when I, like I said, there has to be some more work done about bonding and community and supporting each other and helping each other. Like when I see just people living on the streets, it makes my heart you know hurt because we don't have that i mean first of all we wouldn't leave a family member you know second of all we would never leave a friend like that so we so what community is just about supporting each other and that's a very old tradition it's just coming from the old tribes you know we are a big tribe but we still have that tribe psychology and humans have to and have been living in tribes for ages and that's how we survived so when we disconnect from that tribe psychology disconnect from the community uh, there you know stuff happened and there's you know lots of drugs and addictions and you know on that part of it where there is the high energy you know the good side is there is this high frequency and amazing energy creation and people are you know, much more in a higher state of being, which is, which feels much more positive and, you know, empowering and all that. And in one side, I see when I compare it to the other countries, I see that people are more alone.
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And as you pointed out, it's probably again, Uh, recognizing your own self your own being and then also reaching out to other people like having that human connection is extremely important it's it's extremely crucial to anybody's well-being because I think I grew up in Pakistan we I come from a a society that's community-based everything is grounded in community and relationships and when i came here the first thing that i experienced which was extremely difficult for me was being on my own and being alone and not being able to rely on community or relationships as much and i think that's what what you're talking about right
0: yeah and it's not it's not only that i mean we all can stay alone and we can all you know stand up on our feet and this and that but it's like having that connection and we are just all family i mean that's what i feel in turkey and also that's why i what i feel in uk also like there is this family feeling when you go out in the street when you go out in the park you know there is this connection and the reason like i said in new york there are lots of organizations about community and creating a community is probably the reflection of that like when there is no community people have that uh, need to connect with that and it's not even about not being able to be alone but it's about knowing we are all family we are we are just one tribe and we can't leave anybody
1: out we are all one tribe <laughs> exactly thank you so much nefsha i am i'm already by the way trying to breathe more consciously and i'm going to go on your website and see if i can register for one But thank you so much for coming on my show.
0: Thank you too. I mean, just being aware of how you're breathing and just starting to watch your breathing, watch your breathing habits, what's happening is a big step for everyone. So that's a nice step.
1: Exactly. And uh, for all listeners, I will post Nefshah's information on our website once her episode releases. So do check out our website for that. I would like to thank all the listeners for joining us today. You can follow us on Twitter at Chronicles Alien and you can find us on Instagram at The Alien Chronicles. Please stay tuned for our next episode when we will bring you another immigrant story and in the meantime, stay connected.